I Jane. love it. God, it's so good to see your beautiful face. It's been a, a while, man. Likewise, dude. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. We're just uh, welcome to Hazy Not Crazy with, uh, you know, Nate and Shannon. I'm, I'm repping some merch today, actually. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I welcome. I, we haven't officially met, so I'm happy to meet you. Likewise, Shannon. Likewise. Thanks for all the work you're doing for the community. Oh, yeah. We, I, in fact, I was just telling Nathan, uh, your name came up yesterday for some surf camps that you do in New Jersey. And uh, I was like, hey, we're talk, having him on our podcast. So I was like, tell me more about those surf camps because, you know, I live in California on the beach and uh, like, I, we got to take advantage of this. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Jared. I'm like, I don't. He's going to be on my podcast tomorrow. That's random. Were you talking to Colleen Quinn? Yeah, sure was. So Paul's purple wires. I talk to her yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's, it's super awesome. So we're we're uh, the Hundley Foundation is yeah. signing on to all her seizure safe schools. So and she's awesome. probably going to be a guest. So I'm super excited. That's great. Yeah, Nathan and I were talking for a while trying to get one of those in California. Um trying to get it at one of the wave pools so that it's super safe and easy and they get to ride perfect waves. Um, but we haven't, <laughs> we haven't been able to crack that code because that costs a lot of money to get into. Yeah. Those well, let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll work with you. We'll figure something out. But are you in California? We were talking, yeah. That was like pre COVID. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shannon. Oh no. Yeah, I just wondered where you're located. Pre pre COVID. Um, I live in Santa Barbara, California. Oh, I went so, to Westmont. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, just up the hill from where I live. I literally live about five minutes away from that spot. Oh, cool. Love it. It was awesome. Shannon, Jared used to paddleboard to work. Oh, really? Wait, well, where'd you work? In the uh, ocean? Down in Ventura. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a, that's a paddleboard for sure. The truck. Crazy. Yeah, we met Jared. One of the first things he did uh, with the foundation when I was uh, in L.A. was I went and he was like, do you know how to drive a boat? I was like, sure. In the ocean? Absolutely. It can't be that much harder than a car, right? Let's get a boat. So I followed him in a boat and uh, got some great pictures of him paddleboarding. Oh, that was you. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm putting it all together. 17 miles. I think we raised like, what, $6,000 or so, Nathan? Yeah, it was really awesome. And I really definitely want to follow up with you about doing a surf event uh, down there uh, in SoCal as well and get back, you know, everybody's, I think things are returning a little more to normal and um, post-COVID, so... It's just such a great event, and Jared, it's so great to have you on. You've been one of my longest friends in this epilepsy sort of space, and we have, you know, we'll share some pictures after your surgery, during your surgery, before your surgery. I've been able to kind of be there for it all, and it's so cool to see your success. And then Shannon, Jared and I will randomly call each other when we're pissed off at the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> Like guaranteed once every three months. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Jared called me one time. It's just like, it's so true. It's just like you're a number on a spreadsheet and man, do you feel it? 
when yeah. you know you're just trying to get your medicine and it's just like god so many barriers you didn't think there would be for you maybe not to to get that or if you're running out or somebody's running low on supply and they can't just front you pills or we've had many a conversation about that it's especially tough because almost you know everyone who works to create that medicine is doing it from a good mindset and everyone who prescribes it and works at the pharmacy they're there to help you as much as possible and it's just all these restrictions that are placed on them um it's like a battle to make sure you stay healthy both with the epilepsy and on the mental front to learn to not take it as a personal attack you know um, sure sometimes i have and there's you know it's not a good thing for myself or for anyone involved but yeah nathan and i were vent sources for each other but also remember all the times Nathan would show up for my appointments with me. Maybe it was one of the long tests I would be doing at UCLA or he'd just come after to go grab ice cream or a donut with me so he could just calm down and kind of reward for going through the effort of that long drive and dealing with putting yourself on this little Petri dish that is a hospital and you know, it has long-term benefits for everyone involved, but it doesn't ever really make it fun. Yeah, you, you nailed it with that one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, sounds about right for Nathan. That's why we love you. Uh, so, Jared, do me a favor, and I know Nathan knows your story. I don't, and our, you know, listeners don't. Uh, can you maybe share with us? Yeah, I'll do my best to keep it as brief but informative as possible. Um, I was diagnosed with epilepsy at about, not about, I was uh, 17 on my way to UCSD for college. I was headed to my freshman orientation. Uh, I was stopping by actually to see a good friend who lived in Newport Beach who had been diagnosed with epilepsy about six months prior. And she was in the hospital for a video EEG. And I went to, believe it or not, 2007 Blockbuster was still around. So I'd gone to Blockbuster to pick up some videos so we could help her stay up late so they could try and see the seizures. And I was there till about 3 a.m. And she didn't have any seizures. I biked back to the house I was staying at and woke up maybe two hours later surrounded by EMTs and my mother and my mother's best friend who I call my aunt. And everyone was quite scared except for the EMTs. They knew what was happening. And um, before I could like really put two and two together, I was diagnosed with epilepsy on the spot. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I saw a neurologist later that week that neurologist was walking me through the questions and information she told me how stress was you know an important thing and exercise was important she asked if i exercised every day and i said yeah i go i go surfing all the time surfing's great exercise i do my yoga to help support my surfing but you know i don't go to a weight room or anything anymore i just surfing is is my goal and my favorite thing and she says well you're gonna have to cut that out uh, it's dangerous. If you had a seizure in the ocean, you might die. And I said, well, if you want me stress-free, I, I can't be salt-free. Simple as that. And um, I remember seeing my mother over in the corner supporting me on that. And um, 
you know, about three weeks later, I was starting college and I kind of took the choice to hide my epilepsy from my peers. I didn't want it to be what defined me. I didn't want my friends being nervous about me. And, you know, really some people call it brave. I look back on it and call it relatively stupid. Um, like I had no clue at all what I was up against. I had no clue really like what the medicine was for the best reasons to take it on that 12 hour schedule and all of that. And so I just went about it as like, yeah, this is, you know, it's a condition, but I can get by and I'll just keep being myself. And if I'm stress-free, that'll take care of it. Um, and for the first two or so years, the seizures were pretty well regulated. They'd happen every six months or so. They'd always be really early in the morning, about 4.30 a.m. or so. And they were tonic-clonic, but nothing that really... Um, you know, made me fall apart. I'd go to classes later that day. I'd never surfed on the day of a seizure, but uh, phones, I didn't have an alert on my phone or anything like that to make sure 9 a.m., 9 p.m. it was taken. And uh, right before my third year of college, so that's 2009, um, I was a great swell was on the way. I just moved off campus to this cool apartment in Encinitas and made good friends with my neighbor who was a surfer and got them all hyped up on the swell. I was the morning dude who would wake him up and I hadn't come to, to wake him up. And he was pretty shocked when he went and checked the waves and I wasn't out and I hadn't woken him up. And so he came over to my house and busted in and he saw me on my couch, um, not breathing and he was for luckily he's a trained lifeguard he gave me cpr got the paramedics there they took me into the hospital and it was a about a 10-day coma i battled through um kate came out of that with a pretty renewed vision that yeah i guess this is pretty darn serious um i should take my epilepsy medicine on time every day they renewed a couple prescriptions, changed it up. Um, they tried to tell me I shouldn't go back to school that year. I said, no, I've got a goal to graduate on time and I know how to attack this all better. And so I did just that. And um, for the next couple of years, they weren't too bad. Um, they'd happen here and there. And usually when they'd happen, I'd get an increase in one of the dosages, maybe both dosages, but they thought it was just because I'd had a bunch of concussions in high school. Um, one from breaking my back while surfing, the others because I played water polo and was just quite quite a deviant at times and how I performed in that pool. And um, I remember, uh, it, you know, I, I'd go off and on about how much I cared about it. I had my pill boxes. I got my prescriptions. I did everything possible to, to not miss my medication, to get pretty good sleep and such. And no matter how hard I tried at that, the seizure frequency kept increasing and the type of seizures kept increasing too, from tonic-clonic to mild to deja vu's, kind of I was running through the whole gamut. And uh, it was a little while um, later, I think it was about 2014 or 15. Um, I'm from the Bay Area. I always go up there for Thanksgiving to be with my family and friends. And that's also when the great swell season starts up there and went up super excited to get some good waves and some solid size and uh, had a really bad set of seizures that put me in a hospital. And that was a big turning point in like 
I missed one of the best wells I've ever seen in my life. And it like uh, really sucked. And I uh, told myself I really need to turn around even further and kind of embrace the epilepsy as part of who I am, alert my employer, make sure my coworkers are aware, make sure all my friends know how to take care of me if it happens around them and all that. And that's when I started the line. Um, what I kind of use is my tagline, epileptic opportunity. Every opportunity, every challenge creates opportunity in one way or another. And so find a way to embrace it and, and use that as your motivation. And for a little while, things got better. And um, I got married and my wife and I were talking about wanting to have kids sometime soon. But we came to the decision that just the epilepsy was, it was a dark hurdle. Um, to feel completely comfortable to have kids, to, to feel like we could really take care of that with, um, you know, was it going to be that she was the only one that could stay up late and wake up early? Was I going to be stuck to my eight hour sleep schedule? And um, would she be able to leave the house without me, et cetera? And I reached out to Nathan and said, hey, dude, can you find me a new neurologist? They haven't done anything other than increase this medicine or that medicine. And They've never really done any tests besides these three tests. Um, I want to try and find a new solution. And that's when he helped take me to Dr. Antonio Escueta at UCLA. And um, at first, you know, I always remember my first uh, appointment with him. I brought my wife with me just as moral support. I didn't really think I was bringing her as informational support. And it was about an hour long um, appointment. And I think he asked me about three questions and for the rest of it was asking her very detailed questions about my lifestyle, about my medicine habits, about what my seizures looked like from her vantage point, et cetera. He ordered a round of tests. Then I had another appointment and he called my parents into it to ask my mother and father about my medical history from like the point of conception till that day as much as they knew about it. And then there was another round of tests and that's when they discovered I had focal cortical dysplasia. Um, and it was time to find a route to surgery. And it was about seven months later after another long series of tests to really make sure they knew exactly where it was, what possible effects a uh, surgery would have on my cognitive skills that they um, went in. It was March 12th. 2018 so we're getting close to the five-year anniversary that makes me feel old but uh, <laughs> it was march 12th it took just over a cubic centimeter out of the brain um i had uh one seizure in 2020 during the uh craziness of the pandemic and then i had another one just about a year later um right when i was getting back into hybrid work and i hadn't um you know, there's a lot of stress about getting back to that lifestyle. And I missed my meds one night and paid the price. But now I'm running uh, almost three years seizure free. Um, we've decreased my medical Ooh. dosage by like 70%. <laughs> so life's a lot better. I, you know, I actually had an appointment with him just last week. We were talking through everything and he was telling me how, how happy he is with the overall situation. He even admitted when he first looked at all the scans and everything they'd done at first that I was going to be kind of a boring patient, that it probably was the concussions. And he's so happy that we found that cortical dysplasia and the different answer. Um, 
And so, yeah, what I really like to do in the epilepsy community is, you know, a lot of people that reach out to me are fellow surfers that were recently diagnosed or moms and fathers of surfers who were recently diagnosed. And they ask me about safety precautions and I tell them, don't follow mine. I was pretty dumb. I just surfed however and whenever I wanted. Um, you know, that, that approach is on you. But really, at the end of the day, you need to create a good team an aligned team where that person with epilepsy is the leader of the team. They feel empowered to, to be the one who talks to the doctor, to be the one who gets their prescriptions organized, sets their pill boxes, all of that. Um, Cause it's important as much as you can contain with epilepsy, you also can't. And so whatever the team can do to find their support and support that person is, is vital to everyone having a health level that, doesn't create stress and, and provides. That's some awesome advice. I love that. I, I do too. Yeah, that's great. Um, and we got some pictures. That was a lot. Jared, thank you so much for sharing. Well, and it was amazing, Jared. And I'm just going to say the one word that just kept creeping through my mind when you were talking was inspiration. And that it was just, you know, from the very beginning of your story when I was, you know, for a second, like, wait, I know epilepsy is not contagious. That, like, that was kind of amazing how you were going to see your friend with epilepsy. And, uh, wow. I, that, and then just the whole story, your whole story is pretty outstanding and amazing and inspirational. And so I appreciate that. As a person with epilepsy myself, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, Quick funny caveat to that is that friend of mine, um, she never had a seizure after that. And she knows epilepsy isn't contagious, but she swears that I somehow took it from her <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right. Um, and at the end and of the she's day, had, she's I, never had any more seizures? Never had any any more oh, seizures than her first two. She does, she, I don't think she's been on epilepsy medication for like over six years now, even. Wow. Um, and, like you, know, you took like, them from her. I guess. And, you know, as like the older brother, I'm always grateful. I'm the one that hey, had Hey, when you get some time, Jared, you want to come to Kentucky and take mine yeah. from me? <laughs> I'd appreciate that, dog. Yeah, he's done. I mean, he's done. He's paid I'll his dues. A, I'll take a couple of your meds for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. What, uh, what meds do you take, Jared? I take Briviact, Ficompa, and Vimpat. Oh. Um, pretty oh pretty small doses, especially compared to what I was taking pre-surgery. Sure. And the goal is every six months, I take down the dosages of one of them a little bit. Um, at six months, seizure-free, obviously. And then we do a test, either an ambulatory EEG or one of the contrast MRIs to study how that, if make sure that dysplasia is not around anymore. And once those two things are confirmed, yeah, we cut it down bit by bit. And, um, you know, my doctor has an overall goal to get them completely out of my system at some point. And I've told him that would be a dream. Let's, you know, put seizure free first. I, I've gotten quite used to it. It's been what, like 12 years of taking medications. Well, no, 2007 minus their 16. Um, so I can deal with it, but, um, I do notice, like I, I was telling them last appointment, I feel like my brain has been refreshed over the last five years with 
both like the less dosage and the lack of the dysplasia still being in there. It's a lot more of a clear mind that I have. I used to, I think Nathan, you and I talked about it once where I felt like I had two, two different minds going yeah. at times. Um, now it's just like one centralized mind, which is pretty nice. Wow. Oh, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, no, I was just going to, we have some amazing pictures of you <laughs> surfing and we have some other pictures of you post-surgery that I'd like to share. Um, and it's crazy because, you know, surgery, that can be a scary thing for a lot of people and we can talk about your mindset there, but, but looking at these pictures, you're on Mavericks. Can you share with everybody what a Maverick is? I want you to set the course before I show these pictures because it's insane. Yeah, I mean, Mavericks is this wave up in Half Moon Bay, California. Um, it's a really big wave, doesn't start breaking until it's at least 15 foot plus as well. And um, I grew up up in the Bay Area. A lot of the guys I looked up to while I was surfing surfed there. And, and so it was kind of just a default that I had to be there at some point. And um, yeah, when you take off on one of those waves, it's an adrenaline push that kind of puts everything else to the side. So what are um, we looking at now? Is that the barrel? That's a barrel. That's in that's down yeah. here in the 805 down south of Ventura. Okay. Um, that's a fun wave. I mean, Mavericks, the drop that you get to take on those is insane. You're going faster than you'll ever go on a surfboard. And yeah, that's Mavericks. Um, barrels pretty beyond epic. are you airborne in that picture yeah that ended up in a pretty bad wipeout uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good right there and then like the follow-up picture you see me skipping down the wave on my back with the lip landing on top of me and sending me to the bottom oh that's not it that's me going longboarding i i like to surf a lot so i ride whatever boards are going to work for the conditions for a while i was pretty darn into longboarding um, how fast so do you go when you're doing uh, uh, you look like you're zipping right there yeah you go pretty fast on logs when you're in your nose rides at certain waves wait on uh, logs is log a wave is that log is uh that's the name of that type of board oh. big fat old, oh old long stuff. you say long yeah. Log, take out the N. Ah. Surfers, always, we always cut off one letter or two <laughs> to create our own language. Um, but yeah, like logging is pretty damn fun. I prefer bigger waves and getting barrels over that. But um, when the waves get small, I'm happy to jump on those and dance like they used to do back in the 50s and 60s. Sick. Now, we also, I didn't know this before you sent me this picture, but you're a surf model. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> Tell us what's it. going on here. Uh, that was with my buddy, Luke Williams, a great local photographer that um, would always happily jump and jump into the water to see to take photos while I was surfing. And that day was this really fun day at a local wave in Santa Barbara. Kind of usually doesn't get all that fun. And that's the face after a fun wave. Um, we kind of have like, like these little folklore sessions. They don't get to happen too often since mother nature decides when and where you surf and you get a kind of magical wave on a day like that. And it brings a smile that's hard, hard to, 
wipe off your face even if you're trying to. Like well, that's awesome. and, and by contrast, we also have the serious surfer here. <laughs> yeah, that's after Mavericks, after you've been beat up a couple times. That's what you look like. Um, that was by a buddy, J.R. Mankoff. He just happened to be a photog on the beach that day. He'd gotten a couple photos, and he was doing a series of profile photos, wanted to take a shot. And, uh, yeah, I took that one. I usually think I look weird. But I actually do kind of like that photo. And no, that's uh, a sick photo. That's a good one. Orange, orange and black to represent my my giants. Yeah, uh, where are you from in the Bay Area? I'm from San Francisco and Marin. Oh, okay. I'm from San Jose. Yeah. So. Okay. Big yeah. Giants, Giants, Niners. You know, all of them. Very excited. Yes. Right. Yeah, oh, you guys are getting ready for Saturday, huh? We got, we're playing, Sunday. of course. Yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll exciting. Up. I lived in San Francisco for a long time. That's awesome. I love, yeah. I love it up there. I miss it. So what are, what are some of the things you talked about? The, in your, it sounds like you're doing great with your medications. Any advice you want to pass on forward? I love hearing your advice and your take on things, and I think people always walk away having been like Shannon said, inspired and if not enlightened. Um, well, I think those are two kind of words. I, I, I look back kind. on <laughs> Yeah. I look People back don't on, know the real you. <laughs> yeah. If you know the real me, you wouldn't be enough. But like, I look back on a lot of my epilepsy journey and just see a lot of learning points that I feel like I either missed or was forced to find. Um, and maybe some of that, was bravery or some of it was stupidity who knows but you know the way I work on keeping my medicines in line and making sure I'm taking them is um, a combination of being friends with the pharmacy like go into your local pharmacy and make sure they know you by name and they understand your condition and and what you need like Two of the three meds I take are controlled substances so you can't get them until two days before you're going to run out mm -hmm. and so you work to create a process with them where they know that that's part of it. So they can't order it two day, three days ahead, but they they're always ready so that they've got it on stock. Um, Cause there's sometimes maybe they can't get it on stock, but they can pull in one of the other local pharmacies to help out. So making sure they understand exactly how timely your needs are trying to get it aligned. And you can do this with your doctor too. So that, Hey, like all two of these meds or three of these meds, they're controlled. So can we set it where you're going to renew my prescription so that they're all on the same day? So I don't have to go to the pharmacy three different times a month, every month. And oh, um, so trying to create as organized a process for that as possible. I've used to have just week one weekly little pill box for morning and nighttime. And then I bought another one so that I had two. Um, so I was able to, you know, switch them out every two weeks. And then I got really tired of having to always switch those things in and out. And I found a four, four week box where, uh, you know, every four weeks I'm going to the pharmacy to get my new prescriptions. I also grab a nice pint of ice cream. <laughs> as soon as the sun goes to bed, I pull out the box, open it all up, start organizing them with either a good surf movie or a good funny show that my wife doesn't love to watch as the background. And as soon as I'm done filling up those pill boxes, I 
grab my ice cream and congratulate myself for preparing for another month on the on the road right it's like finding that slight opportunity like if you're dealing with the challenge and you're doing it well you should reward yourself in some way shape or form maybe ice cream's not the best reward possible but um i do have a sweet good one i think it's perfect yeah yeah Yeah. who doesn't like ice cream I love that, especially that part uh, about the controlled substances. I think that's so key. And I think so many people get so frustrated, right? I mean, I need that. I need the medicine, you know, it's like right now. And so making a plan for that, I think that's such great advice. It's so, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, You have to work through hoops because, again, those people that work at the pharmacy, they're there to support you. They're not there to put the risk. They didn't decide for it to be a controlled substance. And so they're there to help you however they can. Um, And that's why if you make that personal connection, you can they'll go that extra length for you at times. Um, I have alarms on my phone, both like just a regular alarm clock at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. that says take your medicine. And with the new health apps that are out there, you can also put in all that medical information so that, you know, if I wasn't with my wife or or wasn't with a friend who knew about my condition and they had to call the EMT or they needed to look for it, they could just pull it right up on my phone from the hold screen. They could tell the EMT exactly what meds I take, what my dosages are. Um, try to keep it as logged as possible to make sure um, that information is readily available. I've had those times where the EMT pulled up and they're asking me 25 questions and I know the answer, but that seizure doesn't help me translate the answer from my brain to my mouth. Um, so if I you know, had that back then, I probably might have been able to avoid a couple emergency room trips or make everyone feel a lot more comfortable that, hey, this isn't a freak accident was kind of expected in a sad way but this is what's happening and this is you know what the next steps are so you know that might be a phone for some people some people have it written on a medical card in their wallet there's a bunch of ways to make sure that information is readily available do you have a favorite health app that you use um i just use apple health uh there there is um i think epsi health has a good app that you could use that I've tried in the past. And there's this one other one that was in development that I've worked with them to help on Nile. Um, but I, I have a f- almost four year old son. I work a full time job, try to surf at least once a day and also give my wife time to do what she wants to do. So as much time as I have to spend on apps and researching apps, I try to keep that a little more simple. I also want to watch a lot of surf movies. <laughs> Speaking of your angel of a wife, here she is. Introduce us to your wife. There's two pictures here. That's in the hospital right after your surgery. Yeah, that's a good face I got going. Um, That's a great smile, all things considered, I will say. I mean, it's a very cute smile. Then you can see that scar on the right. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, it's no small thing that you went through it was definitely interesting that's my wife jessica muscat she's an incredible human i can't ever put enough like praise towards her and all the work she's done in supporting me through the seizures she's seen or the medical trips we've had to take you know she's had to take vacation days from work at times to to come and be at the hospital with me and 
or to stay home with me after the surgery and work remotely to help me on the recovery front. Um, I'll, I'll always remember like that when I, the way I found out I was on the way to surgery was after one of my brain con, one of my brain tests. I think it was a contrast MRI and, um, in that my health app, it gave me an alert, Hey, test results are in. And it, outline focal cortical dysplasia. It didn't say anything about next steps. My my doctor had yet to see it. And actually my great wife, she's a traveler. She's the reason we named our son Atlas. I'm a traveler too, but that was her idea. And uh, she was traveling. She was in Africa um, at the time. And so I got this notification, focal cortical dysplasia. I was like, what the hell is that? I've never heard that before. And I Googled it really quick. And the first thing I saw was brain surgery. I was like, oh, my expletive, expletive. Um, and I texted her right away. Um, she didn't have service at the time, but she called me immediately. And I was, I was, frankly, at first, I was scared as heck. I had no clue what brain surgery was, was going to be like, what the process was going to be, how it might affect my brain skills and um I remember her just telling me, look, we'll get through this. You're going to be fine. You know, this is, we finally found an answer. It's not an easy one, may, maybe, but we found like what the cause is and, and what we can do about it. So this is great news. And um, my brother moved in with us to help out. And it was like, we had a little three person team where we had, you know, my brother would help take me to and from appointments at times. She would help schedule them, make sure insurance was up to date and keeping on top of the financial part of it. Because that's always a little bit of the hurdle when someone, you know, tries to charge you for things that maybe your insurance covers, et cetera. Um, and they're both emotional support beams, right? There's times maybe the medicine side effects would get me pretty eggy or I was just scared as hell and had no clue like what to concentrate on, what to think about. And we'd go out for a dinner or we'd just go camping, something to, to just take my mind off the situation or, or recontext, uh, recontextualize it all. But yeah, she's pretty amazing. And I think of, you know, I don't, I work not to feel guilty about it, but I think of all that I've had to put her through and um, can't imagine having to be on her side of it. I've never seen a seizure in person I, I or on a video or anything. I have no desire to, to do so. I, I know what it feels like from the inside and I know what everyone's eyes look like when you wake up from it. And um, it does suck. <laughs> like it absolutely is fucking awful to wake up from any of those. It's demoralizing, it's painful, it hurts. Um, but to see a loved one go through that I, I like you know I can't imagine that pain I watched my wife give birth I watched my child fall and scrape his knees and you want to do anything to like provide immediate assistance and some of those things you can't like you know a scraped knee you can give some assistance giving birth you're like standing there pretending you know what's going on but <laughs> uh, like when a seizure happens that I, I can't imagine the emotion that would run through your body while you watch someone go through that. That's a very, very, very valid. Just uh, that's thought. Same thought has crossed my head too. I actually just had uh, my first seizure in a while last week and my girlfriend Katie. So it was her first rodeo and yeah, 
it was, you know, her retelling me what that was like and it it sucks. And yeah, I felt kind of guilty just putting her in that situation, but um but it's it's hard. It's funny. A lot of people ask me, and I'm sure you as well, because as we're the ones having the seizures, it's a completely different experience than yeah. your loved ones watching. And I think sometimes and in some ways, take away all the physical pain of the seizure and the cloudiness. And like, you know, I, I banged my head. I still have knots on my head. But just that, um, that helplessness that they feel on their side of things, or at least they've communicated to me. I remember the first time I saw a coworker have a seizure, I just bawled like a little baby. Just, it was my first time actually seeing it after, you know, go, I could just power through my own, you know, and just, and just, you know, power through, but it was really hard to see her. I think you nailed it too when you said, uh, well, one, the guilt, but two, demoralizing. Like you nailed it. That's a, that's the perfect word. And, and if you say that to anybody with epilepsy, they automatically understand what you're saying and how you feel. And I think that that's like, that's perfect. The one thing that has helped with, you know, nothing helped. I still feel guilty after I had seizures. My last round of them was a year ago and my three kids are four well at the time they were 14 12 and 10 and they were home my husband wasn't and I you know it's one thing for my husband it's another thing for your kids right having to call the ambulance and deal with it I just remember I was I felt so bad my 14 year old daughter is like mom I'm fine I'm totally fine and I said I know you're fine now but are you gonna grow up and have problems and issues and She's like, I'm going to tell you this right now, mom. If I have problems and issues and do drugs, it's not because I saw you had a seizure. I saw you have a seizure. I was like, okay, all right, good. I can handle this then. You know, if, and it was just, oh, it was, it was solid. Like it was such a solid thing for a little 14 year old to say. And like, okay, if this 14 year old can say this and feel it and believe it, then I can too. Then I can understand, you know, that you're here for me and you've got my back. And that's, that's all I, so that's helped. That totally has helped me. And I think it's a slightly different thing but between the relationship of the supporter and, and the person, right? Like, as a, as a father, when I see my son fall or he gets a cold or something, like, and you would relate to this, Shannon, like, you want to do everything possible to immediately relieve that pain, take it away from them, take it on yourself if need be, and um, so, you know, my, I can't imagine the difference of emotion between watching my mother have it versus watching my son have a seizure, like that, that amount of protection you want to provide to, to your offspring or, or even to your young, younger sibling is so vastly different than what you want to do for your parent or, or something like that. And and so that's where it's like creating that team of empowerment and making sure that person who's dealing with it head on has that has that leadership role. So they're the ones that set the boundaries, right? Like I had a rule where I was like, hey, after I have a seizure, mom and dad, I'll let you know that it happened, but I'm not going to talk about 
about it in detail unless I feel I need to talk about it in detail or until I feel good enough to talk about it in detail. Because after it happens, I'm probably in a lot of pain. And I also am blaming myself for just hating life for a minute. So the last thing I want to think about is that seizure. And and sometimes there'd be a battle about that where it's like, no, we need to know so we can tell the doctor. I'm like, no, I'm the one who talks to the doctor. I'm the one who does that. I had my wife by my side or I had my brother by my side or a coworker by my side and I'm safe. That's what, you know, that's what matters to me is overall I'm safe. And so there's, there's always like, there's going to be a different emotional toll it's going to take on each different person involved. Um, and it's, I think it's like really important to recognize that for everyone it's, it's different. Um, both the person having it and the people supporting it. Yeah, 100%. It would be a perfect time to cut in the that scene from that Tom Hanks movie, I am the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are, you're, you're your own captain. At yeah. the end of the day, you're the one most responsible for taking your medicine and creating the lifestyle that provides you the least amount of stress and lets you live the life you desire. Um, I recently wrote a piece for a surf article, um, where a couple buddies of mine from the Maverick lineup, they also have epilepsy. We knew each other. Well, they never told me they had epilepsy until I'd started to talk about it pretty frequently. And then they came to me and I was shocked that they have it. And one of them, when I was talking to him recently about the article, he put it in some pretty good context as far as big wave surfing and, and epilepsy, where if you're a big wave surfer and... Well, I go after there and try after that and try it. I'm by no means as dedicated as these dudes, but you know, you're putting your life on the line to go surfing at Mavericks, whether or not you have epilepsy. And so, if you're willing to do that, um, you got to understand surfing's a pretty selfish sport. It's for self fulfillment and self entertainment. And um, if you're someone who's willing to put your life on the line to surf big waves, you're more than willing to put your life on the line for basically any waves as someone with epilepsy. And um, it's important to recognize that and address that in whatever you feel is the safest way possible, but to take away from your personal goals and personal pride and identity um, is a dangerous route to go for sure. Um, we all, we all need some form of personal empowerment and personal entertainment and personal mental health balance. Yeah. You're very wise, Jared. I'm just, I really enjoy listening to you and all the, I'm kind of like, what's he going to say next? Uh, I feel like I do. I, I, I love it. So Thank you. We can agree to slightly disagree, but I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, you said some great things and you know, I'm just going to say too, uh, just about the, uh, the seizure is different for every single person that's involved in it, whether, you know, watching or having or uh even with this podcast or or even with me i, I was diagnosed I, it's genetic so i was born with it and so i've been a you know i've had seizures as a little kid as a teenage high school or teenager college 20s you know whatever i had you know i had seizures when i was pregnant i've adopted so i'm not a, a parent you know on so many levels the one thing i've never been is a parent of a child with epilepsy which is so different. And I didn't realize how different it was when my nephew was born with epilepsy and my brother and I were having this conversation. And wow, that's just a whole different ballgame right there. 
And, uh, and I hope it doesn't, I mean, you know, so far we're, we're pretty solid with the kids, but, uh, it's just so different for everyone. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, when I talk to parents, what I really emphasize is finding third party support for yourself, right? Like find a way to make sure that that kid doesn't feel the stress and emotions you're going through and that you can find a way to feel confident in that child. Um, because if you don't, that wears on the kid in a way that you're not intending. You don't, you're not intending to bring that child any stress, but if you're not finding support for it for yourself, you are going to bring it to them in one way, shape or another. Like I know there's a different version of myself who's had a long work day and hasn't surfed (laughs) and how that might sometimes come off on my child you know, being his three major self for a moment or um, deciding he doesn't want to eat that delicious dinner my wife put together or something like that versus, hey, I got my surf in. Yeah, today was a long work day. Say goodbye to that and focus on, you know, this child's happiness and, and their health and create that good relationship with them. And I think it's a lot easier because he doesn't have epilepsy. But in general, like that's, that's the motto I try to guide these people through. Don't, don't share that your child had a seizure. Like that, if they want to share, they had the seizure, let them share that they had the seizure. They probably don't want hundreds of people to know about every single seizure they've had or that the side effects are having an issue with them or, you know, like you need to find your own support beam because that's how, that's a way to help you empower that person. Um, that's why my wife and I are very adamant in supporting each other's personal passions, right? Like I'm going on a surf trip in two days, three days on Friday, however many days that is away. I'm going to Portugal for 10 days to go surf with my brother. And I need those 10 days. I'm going to miss my my child and son like crazy, my child and wife like crazy. Um, But to go get those 10 days away from work to surf, until my arms fall off and, and to go experience new culture, that'll bring me back with the refreshed mind. And each day will be easier for a little while until my next surf trip. And, and same with my wife, she's going to Taiwan on a trip. That's a, she's got a scholarship to go there. She's an incredibly smart person working and study abroad. And she feels bad about leaving us for a little while. And I'm telling her, no, you need, you need a break from us. You need this time. You love to travel the world. Like this is a moment to, to take care of yourself. Um, and you know, those moments when I'm frustrating you or he might be frustrating you will be easier to glide over when you get back. So it's, it's very important, be it your child has epilepsy or not, that the parents find that personal support. See again, wise. I love it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, oh, go ahead. I, Nathan, I feel like I've been monopolizing. I don't know if you have questions. No, or... that's great. I mean, l- Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Shannon and I started this Hazy Not Crazy platform to talk to all of our fellow hazers out there and just in a epilepsy, unfiltered kind of way. So one thing we ought, we like to kind of wrap things up with is if um, is what's that one thing if there is, and we, we've covered a lot, I know, but that unfiltered kind of raw outlook on this, we've been, you know, many of hours in the EMU together and Shannon's 
you know, the homie too. And this is like kind of why we started this. So we're really excited. And I think you've covered a lot too. So you don't, don't feel pressure to make anything up, but if there's anything, you know, kind of that unfiltered when no one else is watching sort of advice or, or story or anecdote that you'd like to share, we'd, I'd love to hear from you. Well, what I tell everyone is it's about empowerment different, different forms of empowerment. The way I decided to find it was, was embrace that epileptic opportunity, right? Like use that. I even kind of did this back with my first neurologist when she told me we'd gone through the, telling me not to serve, telling me whatever. And then she goes, well, you know, I know you're starting college, but alcohol sometimes impedes medication. So you really shouldn't drink alcohol. And I replied, well, that's, great news because i've tried beer and i hate the taste of beer so now i can go to a party just say hey i can't drink that because of medical reasons not be hung over wake up and surf before all my friends the next morning <laughs> uh, so like what way can each one of us with epilepsy find a way to use some of the challenges as a means of looking towards an opportunity that you get from that challenge right i, I live up in santa barbara my neurologist is down in la Um, that's sometimes two, sometimes four hours of driving, depending on traffic. Um, we had a great swell coming in. I left, my appointment was at 2 PM in the afternoon. I left my house at about 6 AM to just search for whatever waves looked the most fun. I put like (laughs) six surfboards in my car, had a batch of wetsuits with me so I could change into a dry wetsuit after each session. had my work stuff with me and turned it into a day of, Finding ways, doing work, oh, going there and enjoying a uh, ride home that felt like I'd accomplished something, right? So like, look for that. look for a challenge that you can turn into that subtle opportunity. Find a way to reward yourself for the the way you're confronting that opportunity day in and day out. Um, you know, one thing it took me until about two years ago to really come to terms with there was times I was very depressed and I wouldn't deal with it by talking to a therapist. I turn into rage partially from side effects, partially just because I was kind of lost in the head. And um, so I encourage my fellow warriors, like go find yourself a therapist to talk to, you know, maybe it's not because you have depression right now or, you're just trying to find a way to battle your side effects or whatever, but find someone that you can use who you don't see every day as a source of support. It It's done wonders for me. Um, and I, and I say the same thing again to like the, the parents and the siblings, the loved ones of those people, find yourself a therapist. Uh, you can go, you know, find your support and, when you've heard I had a seizure or you heard I was on the way to surgery, or I told you that my side effects were really bothering me, you're not going to come to me for the questions or come to me with stress. You're going to go to the therapist and you're going to find your own answers for it. And then if I open up a conversation, we can all deal with it together. Um, Cause again, like you two even mentioned it, right? You wake up from a seizure next to a loved one and, as much as the seizure sucked, it almost sucks more where you're starting to feel guilty that they had to deal with that. And it's not, it, it's not our fault. Even if we might've forgotten medication or we stayed up too late or whatever, 
at the end of the day, if you have a seizure, it's 99.999999% not your fault. And that's just what you were cast to deal with and um, make sure there's a way that you can not, not feel, feel that emotional turmoil. I love uh, that. And I love that. And we have to turn this into an opportunity, Jared and Shannon. We got to do the surfing event. Jared, we got to do yeah. this. We really yes. do. We got to pick I, this back up. It's great. I love doing it. I go out to seize the wave every July out in, um, in New Jersey. I almost said North Carolina. That's just because I wish that's where it was when hurricane season starts and you get to get good waves. But um, I really want to turn an annual one on here in California. There's so many people I know here in California that surf and have Do you think it'd be there. better at the beach or at the that wave park? Um a wave pool would be awesome just because you get it's a lot consistent easier to have waves. coordinated consistent okay. waves where it's you know like at, at New Jersey we have it where there's a surf school a surf school participates in it so each child has a direct instructor there's an EMT ready on the beach. There's doctors there to help supervise. And there's a, so it's as safe as possible, but usually we get really weird waves. It's not like the best learning environment. And as someone who surfed for 28 years now, uh, 25 maybe, I, every single day, I've got a text thread with a bunch of my close friends. And we're texting each other reports from all the different parts of the 805 to try and find where the best waves are that morning. And, um, right. Like it's both like the blessing and curse of surfing that these storms generated from thousands of miles away are bringing you waves for a very limited window of time and how good they're going to be is always dependent on so many different things. So you um, like the wave park. I've never gotten to go to one. So it's also partially selfish. Surfing is oh. selfish. I want to I want to go to one and put on a display, but it's also Where is it? Um there's one in um What's it called? East of LA, Kelly Slater Surf Ranch. That's the one I want to want to get it at. Oh cool. Yeah, uh, I see it right here. Just one single wave, you get to create a private session and it's a perfect wave. It's the wave that myself and my friends are always dreaming of getting out in the natural environment um but you only get it in the natural environment oh so many times a year and usually when it's like that there's hundreds of people in the water and you're battling each other and battling so this thing just generates a wave like you yeah. could you could do like so, one wave every two minutes or something or something yeah and the variety of surf skills that would be able to capitalize on that like there'd be someone who just learned to surf might be getting the first barrel of their life so we so we could we teach people how to surf there too like do like little yeah Yeah, it's an easy takeoff it's not the easiest wave to surf from people i've heard as far as trying to do turns and stuff but to get on the wave and ride for a long time to feel that speed and that exhilaration um while being in a pretty controlled environment is i think a great opportunity for warriors of all skill levels to you know learn to surf to get better at surfing and i think like nathan you and like you said you and i lean on each other pretty often um when i was going through my process to the surgery the people that i i leaned on my brother and my my wife a, a great deal but the people i spent almost more time talking to about the actual medical side of it 
were fellow warriors. Mm-hmm, people who either sure. had the surgery, people who were on the way to surgery, people who didn't have the surgery and had different conditions and medicines. And like the way we can relate to each other is a, a, on a different level than people who don't have epilepsy because we know the struggles in a very different way and we can relate to them in that in that very detailed way. And um, so if you got to get the best wave of your life or one of the best waves of your life or your first wave of life around someone who also has epilepsy, that like personal joy you could feel and that like personal motivation to go after it would be a little bit on a different, different level. Um, and like, you know, a shout, quick shout out, like one of my favorite tattoos, this brain that says focal cortical dysplasia, that was designed by a fellow epilepsy warrior who lives out in Australia. She found me on Google. We became friends. She has epilepsy. She was one of my main leaning points during that time period. She designed the tattoo for me for free. And then she just had the same, she had focal cortical dysplasia. She found out about focal from me. She asked her doctors for this test. They determined focal. She just had surgery about four months ago, three months ago. Um, and she came to me during the process. Hey, what guidelines did you set up? What could you have done differently? All that type of stuff. I was talking to her almost daily right after the surgery because of that relation opportunity that you get. And, um, you know, I want to end it all again by just saying, like, I can't thank my family enough for all that they've had to go through and, and done for done for me. My, my wife, just an incredibly strong human being. Um, and I'm so grateful for all that she's put up with and all that she's done to empower me and my brother for the way that he's been by my side relentlessly time and time again, my parents, I can't imagine what they've gone through and, um, I'm sorry you had to deal with it, but I'm also proud that you've gotten through it and that we're all on the other side of it. And, um, to my fellow warriors who've, you know, some of them I've never met in person but are still people I talk to on the regular and I I love y'all. And um, we're, I take great pride in being a part of the epilepsy community because we're all in it together. We all take pride in that. And that that leads to a lot for each one of us in in different ways. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. You're, I love it. I love it. What a great way to sum it all up. We'll we'll definitely clip that. Jared, thank you so much for joining us, dude. I'm going to totally geek out on this Kelly Slater Wave Company look into that this <laughs> afternoon. Let's do it. Yeah, we're on we're on board. I'm trying to work on some of my connections there that but you know, my my pocketbook's not too thick and I'm not famous enough of a surfer. Maybe someday though. Think we well, can we'll work figure on it, it out. Maybe we could do it cuz you know, we're at the Hunley Foundation, so maybe we could do it through the Hunley Foundation. And yeah. have it be kind of that kind of it could be really really fun. Let's set a let's set aside an actual like meeting time to go to go after okay. it, and we can work on it three pronged approach. Where where is the actual surf ranch? It says Culver City. Where Culver Culver City? Yeah, this thing's right in the middle of Culver City. Yep, you need a lot of space to create that. So wow. Nah, but I, there's no, I'm looking at the map. It just doesn't make sense to my brain right now. <laughs> I'll, send you, I'll send you some, I'll send you some videos of it from Insta on Instagram. Like Culver city in LA, like where Sony is Culver city. Yep. 
Okay. Wow. We'll check maybe, it out. Maybe that's I'm still post-dictal from my season. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jared, we love you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely set a meeting and we'll we'll talk about that. That would be that would be really special. And yeah, we can right that for, love it. Thank for, you all for your great work. I look forward to the times ahead. Keep it stoked. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. You too. All right. All right, Jared. brother. We'll talk soon. See you, Jared. Bye. Bye.